Welcome to BitCast on Podcast One, the video game podcast with the Axeman. Welcome back to the BitCast. As much as I try to keep the show relatively diverse, there's no denying that I have a strong fondness for Nintendo more than any other company out there. Over the years, I got into more series, and there were always a few outliers growing up. But I think the first time I really played a game that was completely out of my comfort zone was... Actually, it was in college. It was when I got my hands on No More Heroes 2, Desperate Struggle, a couple years after the game had already been out. And with that, I kind of became a fan of the No More Heroes series. Now there's a new one, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, that's set to come out on the Nintendo Switch. And it's the first game in the series in about seven years So I figured now would be a good time to look back on the series and kind of shine a spotlight on it, maybe get new people into it as well. No More Heroes is an action-adventure and -and hack-and-slash game made by Grasshopper Manufacture, which was founded by Goichi Suda, otherwise known as Suda51. The game came out in Japan on the Nintendo Wii in about 2007, before Western releases the following year. This game, this M-rated game, has a lot of blood and profanity, suggestive moments. The plot is literally a man killing other people with a knockoff lightsaber. A game like this, available for the Nintendo Wii. Not only is that a Nintendo console, but it's their novelty console, the one that was designed to get little kids and older people playing their video games. And about three years later, we get a sequel, No More Heroes 2, Desperate Struggle also for Wii. I should point out that there was eventually a PlayStation 3 version of the original called No More Heroes, Heroes Paradise in 2010 and 11, but there were no major changes, only a few bonus things and graphical updates. Now, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, set to be on the Switch in 2018. The series kind of reminds me of Bayonetta in a few ways. It's a very adult game series that's always been rubbing elbows with Nintendo. Maybe we can see Travis in a certain fighting game that everyone talks about all the time, and who has a developer who is friends with Suda51? Okay, let's just get off that subject right now. No More Heroes and its sequel are... Kind of the same in terms of premise and structure. You take control of Travis Touchdown, a very unpleasant man who harbors an obsession with both masked wrestling and cutesy suggestive anime. He has a beam katana, which looks more like a fluorescent light bulb on a metal handle. Armed with that and various suplex maneuvers, Travis becomes an assassin, and he has to defeat all the other assassins in the city and become number one. From there, I'm going to start issuing a spoiler warning. The two games are pretty old by now, but, you know, I like being courteous about that kind of thing. So, there you go. Suda51 is known for having some really weird elements in the games, and some kind of meta commentary or things of that nature. No More Heroes has stuff like that, or at least that was the conclusion that I drew. Travis lives by himself in a cheap, two-room motel residence, all alone except for his cat and his tacky anime merchandise and wrestling tapes. 
His only friend is the clerk at a video rental place. He has no job to speak of before he starts being an assassin. He ends up winning the beam katana on an online auction site, and then he goes on to assassinate a guy called the Drifter. After that, a woman named Sylvia comes out and suggests that he kill the top ten assassins and become the best. At first, that works. But then Travis wants more, so Sylvia offers to go out with Travis if he makes it to the top. So there you have it. Travis gets into fights with all kinds of crazy assassins, all to become the champion and win Sylvia's attention. It's kind of a messed up version of how a lot of other video games go. Games where you go through a certain amount of challenges and boss battles and get the girl at the end. Only it's not glamorous or adventurous. You're just going to different places in this gritty and gray landscape, chopping up some fools, then hooking up with Sylvie at the end. On the subject of the city, Santa Destroy is boring. It's a big, bland, empty city that has almost nothing of consequence. There are points of interest for Travis to visit, such as the t-shirt shop, a mechanic's garage, a dojo. Then there are other places like the assassination firm, random odd jobs and the locations for the different rank battles. But these places tend to be a little far from each other, with nothing to do on the way. Navigating the city is boring. It kind of shows how Travis sees his world. Everything that's not relevant to his interests just doesn't really exist and isn't worth interacting with. Travis only interacts with the world around him when there's something that he wants from it and he can't even go to his next opponent until he pays a hefty entrance fee, which he has to get from digging around in dumpsters and taking odd jobs. Then there's Travis himself, while we're here. The guy has to be pretty messed up if he's agreeing to become an assassin, no less doing it all just to impress Sylvia. Of course, I've already described his living situation, but he's really a slob in every way. He's lecherous, foul-mouthed, thinks he's a lot cooler than he is, real obnoxious, and thinks that being the rank one assassin will give him a life of luxury. And to give away a bit of the ending, it doesn't. At the end of No More Heroes, he's still the same person he was at the beginning, still living in that cramped motel room full of anime stuff. But he did it, he became the top assassin. That's what he wanted, right? Oh man, imagine if someone who's actually an assassin just happens to be a fan of this podcast and they don't like the fact that I said assassins have to be messed up. Well, I mean, you know, Travis is just a character. <laughs> wow, I'm really kowtowing to hypothetical audience members now, aren't I? <laughs> uh, anyway, no more heroes. For all the conclusions that I've drawn, which may or may not even be true... It's still not a cruel game with its messages. They haven't gone full Spec Ops the line on us yet. Travis does have moments of character development, especially in the sequel, and the action sequences are very stylish. Not only do you get the gratification of mowing down mobs of schmucks, the boss battles against the top ten assassins are pretty memorable, from their fighting style to their personalities to their theme music. They're really the highlight of the game for a lot of people. And for people who like to customize their player characters, Travis can buy different versions of his outfit. And more importantly, he can buy upgrades and different versions of the beam katana. Some different beam katanas also function differently from each other. Oh, and there's also this thing where if you find random dodgeballs around the city, you can trade them in to get new abilities. So, the game could be interpreted as a messed up retelling of Fight for the Girl storylines, 
they're still willing to let you have fun with it. Then we get to Desperate Struggle. To put it bluntly, it's more of the same. Only this time Travis fights 51 assassins instead of 10. But not really. Travis only fights 11 assassins and one optional assassin. A former enemy from the first game, Shinobu, shows up at one point, and you control her as she takes down two of the assassins on Travis's behalf. Henry from the first game also shows up, and he gets into a fight for a bit. So the game doesn't really live up to its promise of 51 enemies for Travis to topple, but it still has more than the first game did. In terms of mechanics, the game is also generally... I don't know if I'd say easier, but more streamlined than the first. The town is no longer a big, boring landscape. Instead, you just pick options from a menu. You also don't have to pay money to get into the proper levels anymore, which is nice. And even if you do want to earn money, the minigames are a lot more fun and stylized than they used to be. So, overall, No More Heroes 2 has a lot of quality of life improvements. Oh, I should point out, though, that they kept this annoying scorpion-catching minigame from the first No More Heroes. It was very widely disliked, and they kept it the same in the sequel, just as kind of a big joke, which is pretty bold of the people at Grasshopper, but I applaud it. (laughs) The story kind of suffers a bit because of the bloat of enemy assassins, so that means that they're all a little less developed than the ones in the first game. It gets better towards the end of the game, especially as Travis himself develops as a character. While Travis is still a colossal slump, he actually starts to realize how messed up everything is, and starts acting a little more noble to his defeated enemies, to the point where he just declares that he's going to become a hero in his own terms by the end of the game. It's a really good moment for Travis, and he kind of earned my respect, as as much as a fictional character can do that really shows how far he's come from the beginning of the first game. It was around that point that I kind of figured Travis is one of those characters who kind of means a lot to me. This also ties into the ending of the game, which is actually pretty cool in hindsight. So the reason Travis climbs the ranks in the sequel is because he wants revenge against the rank 1 assassin for killing his best friend, the, the video clerk. So he fights his way to the top, inspiring jealousy, hatred, and admiration from everyone he kills. Finally, he gets to the final battle, and after a game of wicked and crazy assassin bosses, what do we get? An ugly little Elmer Fudd-looking guy with the Joker's color scheme, and an annoying voice in an even more annoying boss fight. He's such a letdown, and the battle against him is insanely difficult, at least in the middle phase. His final form is so ridiculous that the one help you get in the fight eventually decides, no, this is too silly, I'm leaving. Also, we learn at the start of the fight that the only reason he had Travis's friend killed was to get revenge on Travis for killing his own family, a bunch of thugs that you went up against in the first game. So, revenge is a central theme in No More Heroes 2, and with the way they made the final boss so disappointing and obnoxious, and with the fact that the ending is almost a non-ending after you beat him, it's just like practically 30 seconds before the credits, I'm inclined to think that you're not meant to enjoy the finale of the game. You're not really meant to enjoy revenge. There is the fact that at the end of the Rank 2 boss, Travis has that moment of wanting to be a hero in his own way, turning right around and getting revenge kind of flies in the face of that. 
So maybe it's kind of a metafictional suggestion that you should stop playing the game after the rank 2 assassin so you don't get revenge and don't have to put up with the painful final battle. I don't know, though. That's entirely speculation on my part, though. Don't take my word for it. You know, I'm not game theory over here. I'm rather fond of my interpretation of the final battle, but I can't say for sure that's what Suda was doing. And besides, I still went on to fight the number one guy anyway, because, you know, I like finishing my video games. As I said earlier, I sort of came to these conclusions about the artistic choices kind of on my own and based on reading other interpretations. I can't say for sure what they were actually going for, but it's something worth thinking about. So, a bit of a confession, I've only played Desperate Struggle. I feel kind of bad for the amount of games that I still haven't gotten around to playing. Maybe if I didn't spend as much time reading about games, that'd be different. I'd probably spend more time reading about games than actually playing them. But this means that no matter what, the sequel will probably be the more meaningful game for me, personally. I remember I actually got my brother into the game by sheer chance, and he ended up playing through Desperate Struggle in the entirety of one day. And now that's one more game we can both talk about. So that's another nice thing I can say about it. Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes is the third game in the series, though it appears to be more of a spin-off. Years after Desperate Struggle, Travis is living in an RV somewhere, when a guy named Badman shows up to kill him. Ostensibly, he wants revenge for Travis killing Bad Girl in one of the first game's boss fights. But then the two of them end up getting sucked into Travis's possessed video game console and have to team up to get back to reality, or... Something. Suda51's games are pretty weird, but this is already the weirdest No More Heroes game to date. I'll be honest and say that the gameplay footage doesn't impress me so far, but I've heard promising things about the full game, so it could just be a case of a bad demo. Either way, I have to applaud them for not retreading the first game again. And they are faithful to the spirit of the series, which is good since Suda's actually involved with this one. Travis is as smug as ever, there are crazy bosses to go up against, and the characters freely acknowledge that they're video game characters, even before they get trapped in a bunch of video games. All of these things are different staples of the series. We also get to hear a remix of the series' main theme during the reveal trailer, so yeah, Travis strikes again indeed. The series' soundtrack is composed by Masafumi Takada. Back in my Danganronpa episode, uh, just a little while ago, I mentioned how Takada did the music for these games before going on to do the Danganronpa soundtrack. Also, it'd be nice if I could consistently pronounce the name of that series, huh? Now I'm referencing his work with that series, so I've got a bit of a circular thing going on here, the Masafumi Takara Composition Circle, we call it, where I just reference one of his works while talking about the other. So anyway, if you've only heard the soundtrack for either No More Heroes or Danganronpa, I'd recommend listening to the one you haven't heard yet, because Takara really knows his stuff. Unfortunately, he's not doing the soundtrack for Travis Strikes Again. Instead, that honor goes to DJ Abo and DJ12. I've never heard of them, and search results haven't been entirely helpful, but I trust Grasshopper Manufacturer's decision, so I'm sure the game will have the usual good music. Although Suda did say that he might have Takada do something for the game, since he came back to Grasshopper for a different game. This, of course, leads me to today's favorite songs. 
Normally I do three, but for the sake of symmetry, I'm doing four songs this week, two from each game. From the first game, I pick Pleather for Breakfast and We Are Finally Cowboys. Pleather for Breakfast is the boss theme against Bad Girl. It's a common favorite for fans of the first game. It's a little hard for me to describe the song. It's got whispery lyrics that I can't decipher for the life of me. I don't know if anyone has managed, probably somewhere in some corner of the internet. As for genre, I can't really tell. I'd say it's electronic. That feels a bit too broad as a description, but it's a very unique battle theme regardless, and it stands out above most of the others in the game. We Are Finally Cowboys is the theme of the true final battle. It's a guitar-heavy piece that manages to capture a bit of that Wild West vibe, so the name of the song isn't too unfitting. I've heard someone say that the song comes across as a bit too generic for them until they heard it in context, playing against the final boss, and I'd say that's a fair point. I can't dissociate this theme from the intense battle between Travis and Henry, a man who's practically Travis's equal right down to having his own beam katana. Having a duel in the parking lot of the hotel Travis has driven into and out of this whole adventure, it's kind of a striking way to cap off the first game. As for the songs from Desperate Struggle, I pick Toothpaste and Philistine, or Philistine, I say Philistine, but the song says Philistine in the lyrics, so I really can't decide how to pronounce it. I'm just going to say Philistine because, you know, that's just how I do. I'd also like to say Takara's got weird track titles a lot of the time. Toothpaste, Mach 13 Elephant Explosion, Cashmere Cannonball. It's really strange, but good music. Going back to Toothpaste, it's a very somber and depressing song. It plays in the second-to-last level of the game, right before Travis meets the Rank 2 assassin and kills her and realizes how messed up everything is. Very sobering song that kind of makes me look back and think about all the bodies Travis has left in his wake. Then we have Philistine. It's another fan-favorite boss theme. Not only is it that, but even the boss who sings the song keeps asking Travis if he knows the words to it. The boss, Margaret Moonlight, sings this song that's basically calling out Travis about every aspect of himself, really. By the end, Travis admits that it's a catchy song and he's memorized the lyrics, and Margaret dies in peace. I agree with Travis. It's very catchy, has very memorable lyrics. I could probably recite the song from memory, but let's not and say we didn't. That's all I have to say about No More Heroes for now. Travis Strikes Again is scheduled to be released for the Nintendo Switch in 2018, and you'll find that the first game and Desperate Struggle are both available for Nintendo Wii. You can even play the Heroes Paradise version of the first game if you have a PlayStation 3, or if you live in Japan, you can also play it on the 360. And while you're playing these games, maybe you can also listen to different episodes of the BitCA... Actually, no, don't do that. You'll miss the game's excellent music and voice acting. Robin Atkin Downs is a great choice for the role of Travis Touchdown. He really makes the character. But hey, if you still want to hear more of me, you can still consider subscribing to the BitCast and spread the word. Just maybe don't do it while you're playing No More Heroes. <laughs> oh, that, that was a really smug laugh. I apologize for that. If you have a friend who likes No More Heroes and wants to hear some bum talk about it for a while like I did just now, you can share the podcast with them. The show's also available on iTunes. And with that... I'll see you on the next one. Listen to Bidcast anytime on podcast1.com and on the Podcast One app.